When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Tonight's podcast is going to be breaking down that Jets 6-27 loss on Monday Night Football against the Chargers at Jet Life Stadium. And this is a game that stings for a lot of reasons. The Jets were on a hot streak. They were winning three games in a row, beating some really good teams. And then you look at a finally good weather game at home against a team traveling across the country that was a little bit worse than you thought, had a softer defense. This would be an opportunity for the Jets' defense to prevail against a big-time quarterback on a big stage. And it would be a good chance for the Jets' offense to kind of Finally get its rhythm going. Well, half of that happened. The Jets' defense played lights out. The Jets' offense, on the other hand, couldn't do a damn thing. And we've seen this story so many times, so many freaking times over the years. Well before Zach Wilson was here. All the people that have replaced Zach Wilson when he couldn't play. It's like the same thing every single season. And you look through the Jets' statistical offense year by year by year. We had maybe one or two good years in the past 15. There was a couple exciting Mark Sanchez years. There was an exciting Ryan Fitzpatrick year. And then it's just been horrible since then. So it's a bummer to do a podcast like this where we're talking about the exact same thing. I feel like we've done this podcast 50 times already in the 150 episodes of this show. But we still got to get to it. Because the Jets are 4-4 four and four now. They're back down below in the playoff race. They're not picking up the ground that we wanted them to pick up this week. But the season's not over yet. The Jets haven't even played half their games. And they've still beaten... Some really good teams with the same roster, the same quarterback, and everything that we have right now. As much as we're going to complain about the OC and the head coaching and the quarterback and everything, the Jets have won games. But they've also lost games. They're inconsistent. they got to find a way to close these easy ones out or easier ones out. And we got to talk about it. I'm going to try to rip through this thing as fast as I can because, frankly, I want to put a pin in this game, move on, focus on the Raiders, which I think is a much, hopefully, more winnable game. But again... You never know with this team. So the agenda for this podcast is going to be to talk about what's wrong with the offense and is there any way to fix it. We're going to talk about defense, special teams, do our players the game, and to father time. I'm going to do the Raiders preview on Thursday morning, and that's going to be probably a pretty quick episode. I'm not going to go too deep into the AFC standings and the AFC East in that one. Probably not even going to go too deep into the Raiders. Just going to do a what's on tap, have a drink, quick podcast in and out. It's one of those weeks, you know, some weeks you want to really dive into the team and and enjoy it. This is one of those weeks you want to move on and focus on your other hobbies. So before I begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's under the Fans First Sports Network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Let's get into this thing. A game where, again, we were saying, you know, the Jets were going in expecting to put together some decent offense for once. Everything 
that could go wrong went wrong in the beginning of this game. The Jets shot themselves in the feet repeatedly. The Jets couldn't get anything going. And then when they finally did get a couple things, they either had bad penalties, turnovers, they couldn't get the same force against the Chargers, and they ended up losing this thing in ugly fashion, even though the defense was fantastic start to finish. So what do we do with this offense? Because that's the issue right now. When you look at the defense and what they did against Justin Herbert, 16 for 30, 136 passing yards, net 107. Oh, my gosh. They did great. Austin Eckler, 14 carries, 47 yards. We're going to talk about the defense later, give them their props and everything. But the issues aren't on them. You look at coaching. What's the issue with the offensive coaching here? First thing, horrible penalties, pre-snap stupidity. Can't have that. This offense is not efficient enough, as we've seen, to have third and longs, second and longs. They can't have any extra yardage added on. They need as much help as they can possibly get to move the football. Negative yardage, not good. The Jets are consistently in third and difficults, right? Like third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines, and they're not converting them. They're not in good, easy situations for this team. They're even worse when it's third and short. They're like 18% conversion rate when they're at third and short, which is supposed to be easy stuff to pick up. They said in the broadcast last night, the rest of the league is averaging like 60% conversion percentage on third and short. For goodness sake, the Jets have to get that stuff figured out. And then when they get close to the to the end zone, when they're in that gold zone, they call it, they're horribly inefficient. It's like the more it matters, the worse they are. Garbage time, very end of the game and stuff like Zach Wilson can make some stuff happen. But then when it's like, all right, these big third downs, these big red zone plays, everything goes out the window and we take bad sacks and bad penalties and everybody just forgets everything they were taught. Coaching has to get that stuff figured out. The guys can't be as frazzled and frantic in that part of the field and on those third downs, and they have to find a way to get easy conversions. So take a look at the quarterback. What's going on over there? Zach Wilson is basically playing this year to not have turnovers. It's causing him to have a much lower interception total this year, but he's not throwing the ball downfield very much. He doesn't go through his reads quickly at all. He overthinks everything, stands in the pocket, and then takes more sacks. A lot of those sacks are causing forced fumbles, and he's dropping the football, and the other team's picking it up. So he's still getting turnovers on the other side, doesn't show up in the interception numbers, and he's not keeping his eyes upfield. He's looking at the rushes coming in instead of just, like, forcing things in there, which we don't want him to do. He's holding on to the football and taking sacks. Now, I will say that if Zach Wilson was leading the league in interceptions and the Jets were losing in games like this and he had, you know, three interceptions, we would all be saying he's got to limit the turnovers, and if he can just stop turning the ball over, this defense can win games. We all believe that, right? when you have a bad game turning the football over. But then when you try to do a game manager game like this, rely on the defense, a couple things don't go your way. Penalties, special teams, touchdowns, bad turnovers, bumbling the football, other players across the field as well making mistakes on offense. You can't come back from it when you're playing this scared and afraid and not moving through your reads and patting the football with the yips, whatever Zach Wilson has going on. He's obviously got to get that stuff better. You look at the wide receivers. Nobody besides Garrett Wilson can be relied on to do really anything. Lazard played horrible. He keeps dropping the football. He had a bad penalty in this game. No other receivers making an impact. We're benching Randall Cobb because he can't do anything. Nicole Hardman is gone. Xavier Gibson gets opportunities, but considering how often he's on the field, the guy's got like two catches where the defense just kind of forgot about him and he slipped through. Great. That's not reliable stuff that we can work through on third and fives. We need someone that's going to get like 
open for Zach Wilson to trust because clearly he has to see his guys pretty darn open for 80% of his throws to come out of his hands. And if you're not getting that consistently time and time again, then you're really no use to him. Then when you look at the offensive line, we've got new guys playing every single week at brand new positions, a revolving door, and none of it seems to work because the players just frankly aren't good enough. You're still playing Max Mitchell, and now you're putting him at guard. You're still playing Billy Turner at tackle. He's not good. Lakin Tomlinson, maybe he's getting a little bit better. Makai Becton, like, yeah, he's healthy and everything. But none of these guys are elite-level players. The best offensive lineman we had, Joe Tippman playing guard. He's not there right now because he's playing center. Elijah Vera Tucker on IR. Connor McGovern, a pretty solid center. He's out. It's a revolving door. And because of it, because of those injuries and those guys playing out of position, there's consistent pressure. There's not enough good holes for Brees Hall or the running backs, and that's making things difficult as well. You talk about the running game. We're consistently running through the A and B gap. Why are we running up the middle over and over behind one, basically a backup interior offensive line, and a position of the field where Brees Hall really doesn't flourish? He is way better running off tackle, outside, probably behind Mackay Becton. And instead of getting outside frequently, we run the ball up the middle like it's Adam Gase running Frank Gore for two or three yards, but at least Frank Gore wasn't up the middle back. Brees Hall isn't that. If you're going to run up the middle consistently, I understand that you can potentially break a big play with Brees Hall and you're hoping that that's going to happen. But if you want to break a big play with him, try to get him in the open field a little bit more. Quick pitches, outside, off tackle. And if you want to run up the middle, try to give it to Dalvin Cook, who to me is a little bit more consistent picking up three yards up the middle than Brees Hall has been. They got to figure something out in that running game. And then something nobody's talking about. How about these depth players? How about these Jason Brownleys? And how about these Irvin Charleses that can't crack the roster? We've got Xavier Gibson and Malik Taylor with a stranglehold on the wide receiver position. Alan Lazard can't be replaced by anybody in there. In training camp, we're singing their praises, talking about these young guys, undrafted players, or kids that are just, like, fighting for a chance. All right, your chance is here. And the competition and guys ahead of you, not that good. Looking at the running backs, Izzy Abadaconda, you want to play? Learn how to block. What's going on, man? Learn to pick up a blitz, and then you can get on the field and maybe help this team score some points. Trevor Simeon, be better than Zach Wilson. Make the team have to play you. Force their hand, be like, well, you know what? Trevor Simeon's clearly giving us the better chance to win. These guys aren't hard to beat that are in front of you. I'd like to see Carter Warren make his presence felt and demand a spot on that O-line. Xavier Newman, it doesn't come down to these players specifically because they weren't part of this game, but the fact that they can't beat out guys in front of them that aren't doing a good job at their position on offense, come on. Your opportunity is right now. So... The other side of this whole thing with this Jets offense that was horrible in this game is this may not even be as bad as it gets for us. What if something happens to Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall? What about if we're playing a defense that's much better than the Chargers? Or it's the Patriots again who always tear us apart. The weather is bad. There are so many different situations that could make this horrible offense even worse. And that's something to be a little bit nervous about every single week. So the question is, at 4-4, four and four, eight weeks into the season, what can the Jets do to fix it? When you look at the coaching, it's not going to change too much because Robert Sala is the correct head coach and Nathaniel Hackett is here for Aaron Rodgers. The whole offense was basically built for a totally different quarterback skill set and brain, but 
Nathaniel Hackett needs to think outside the box and try to get creative to manufacture some offense, some productivity, maybe more behind the line of scrimmage stuff, maybe more trick plays, maybe more wildcat stuff, something to manufacture offense because clearly this isn't working. We actually did pick up a third down in this game with Brees Hall taking the ball um, on a direct snap, so stuff like that. Just, you know, find a way to pick something up because it's struggling right now. Wide receivers, Alan Lazard, you got to hit the jugs machine. you got to start freaking getting ready to catch the football. And if you can't, frankly, you're not going to be in the league for that much longer at wide receiver. Xavier Gibson needs to find his role and be more than a dude that just sneaks through the defense and catches a ball when no one expects him to here and there. He needs to have a role in this offense. He needs to be a shifty guy that gets open and they know the types of plays that he runs, right? Braxton Berrios was a similar type of position as Xavier Gibson, but Braxton Berrios' role was so much more defined and clear in what he could do. He was part of some trick play packages, but he was also like, throw it to him on third down, third and ten, he'll go up and catch the football. I don't feel that with Xavier Gibson right now. And we need him to get there because he's getting opportunities on the field. Offensive line, we got to get a better group. I don't know if it's Dwayne Brown, if it's newly signed Roger Saffold, if we've got to wait a couple weeks for Schweitzer, Connor McGovern to potentially come back. But I do think that we have to get one way or another Joe Tippman back to right guard. I think he's better at that position. I think we have to figure out who the hell's going to play center. Um, I also think that Max Mitchell has to go back to tackle. I think that Billy Turner should not be playing tackle. And they got to find the right group of guys. It's going to be a little bit more consistent than what we saw this week. Running game, like I said, run behind Makai, run off tackle, quick pitches, get outside. Get Brees Hall in space. Find a way to let him have an opportunity, not just running up the middle of the field between two defensive tackles, and they both get their hands on him, slow him down, and everyone else is there to converge. He picks up one, two yards. That's not efficient enough for us. When you look at the quarterback, the Jets are currently on their backup quarterback. There's no way around that. They can bench Zach Wilson and use a different backup quarterback, but it's never going to be a starting-level guy. It's too late to trade for a Josh Dobbs or a really viable option. So it's going to be some iteration of Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, or Tim Boyle. I mean, we've seen Bryce Petty, Brooks Bollinger, Greg McElroy, Mike White, Joe Flacco, Luke Falk. Those guys come in and replace the guy in front of them who's struggling. It doesn't fix a broken offense. None of those guys came in and it was like, man, thank God we finally benched Sam Darnold. Or now that Geno Smith's not playing, it's really great to see Brooks Bollinger get after it. It's not how it works. These guys are also low-talent-level guys, which is why they are where they are. It's why they're all backups. And don't get it twisted. Zach Wilson is a backup himself. This Jets team did not come into the season saying, Zach Wilson's going to be good enough for our offense. That's why they paid Aaron Rodgers and basically built an entire offense around Aaron Rodgers with his former teammates, former coaches, former offensive linemen, guys on defense. I mean, this thing was not built for Zach Wilson. This is not a testament to, well, the team really believes in Zach, and that's why we're here. It's The team believed in Aaron Rodgers. They gave Zach the chance to be the backup quarterback because he's young, potentially ascending, on a rookie contract that they just got a couple years ago. So if it's Zach Wilson out there, got to get the ball out of your hands quicker. You have to run when you have open space. And instead of trying to evade the pressure when a defensive lineman is bearing down on you because consistently he gets tackled running backwards, thinking that he's going to escape from a guy and extend a play, a lot of times he doesn't. I think his success rate on that is less than 50%. So just throw the ball away when you can. 
Just find a way to get the ball out of your hands and not take negative yardage plays. And don't try to throw the ball downfield and force turnovers. Try to force the issue on offense and create turnovers. I like that he's not getting a ton of interceptions because we should be relying on our defense this year. It should be a game manager style quarterback, but he has to get the ball out quicker. He can't take bad sacks. He has to move in the pocket and take the yardage when the defense gives it to him. One thing that can keep a defensive line from trying to pin their ears back and pursue you over and over is to have a semblance of a running game. That's when you start turning blitzing guys or edge rushers into QB spies. Zach Wilson is athletic enough to try to get upfield, maybe not to outrun a guy running backwards while looking downfield, but tuck the ball away and go up. Things like that are going to help him immensely if he can start doing that. If it's Trevor Simeon, go win the job. Work your tail off and make the Jets put you on the field. Your competition in Zach Wilson shouldn't be that, that hard to beat if you are any level of competent right now. So you look at all those things, that's what the Jets can do to fix it. What do I realistically expect to happen from this Jets offense now? Well, the offense basically relies on big plays from Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. It's going to continue to do so, and our offense is going to look good when those guys do. When they don't, it's not going to be as good. Regardless of who the QB is, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, or Zach Wilson, there are going to be some very low lows on offense. The bad games are going to look absolutely pitiful. But sometimes with those guys, playing just a decent game is going to be good enough to win. As we look towards Zach Wilson being the quarterback, at least for this upcoming week, maybe a little bit beyond that, could even be the rest of the season, sometimes just playing a decent game is going to be good enough for him. And sometimes his lows are going to be so freaking horrendously low and we can lose any single week. If there's one thing that we've learned in watching this Jets and the Zach Wilson experience, it's that we kind of have to expect the unexpected. How many times have we gone through this carousel of, okay, Zach Wilson sucks, we can't win. Then he has some big-time win that you don't expect, a big-time comeback where he shows some guts, and you're like, you know what? That's it right there. If Zach Wilson can play like that every single week, we're going to be okay. He just has to keep doing that. But in reality, it's just one week, one matchup, one game plan. He doesn't continue to do it week after week. And then when he struggles against another team, we look back and say, oh my God, the sky is falling yet again. Get rid of Zach. He can't do it. And when it's all said and done after the last two years, Zach Wilson's games that he's played, the team is 9-8. and eight. So you want to talk about it would be so much better to have Mike White. Mike White was 2-5. and five. It was better to have Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was 1-8 and eight with the Jets. And so I understand that Zach Wilson plays an ugly game, and there are some fond memories of Mike White. But if you're forgetting the five games that he lost... Not necessarily entirely on Mike White, but none of those guys were consistent week in, week out. Every single one of them had this moment where you're like, okay, maybe they can do it. And then they had a moment where you said, you know what, this guy is not cut out for this. We got to go back to another option. It's very easy to fire a person. It's very easy to bench a person. It's hard to find a superior replacement. And these guys are all inconsistent. We've seen that from even the best, Mike White. We've got great fond memories of Mike White. He had some really dog shit games for the Jets where he looked unplayable as well. But that's what a backup quarterback is. When you get a backup quarterback, the goal is like, okay, we don't have our starter. We need a guy that can go in there and can win a game or two. It's not about winning every single game as a backup. It's a backup. It's about winning half the games and just weathering the storm. And that's kind of exactly what level Zach Wilson is. He can win a game. He can be the quarterback in a victory against the Eagles or the Bills. But he can also completely screw up, and that's why he's a backup-level guy. That's why the Jets rebuilt an entire offense and a system around a totally different quarterback moving on from their draft pick from a couple years ago. 
So that's kind of what I expect to continue when you look at this offense. I expect inconsistency. I expect the team to perform in ways that we don't expect some weeks and beat a good team with a crazy comeback and be like, holy smokes, look at it. It finally worked. And then I expect a game that we probably should win or play better in. And you look at the matchup and you say, oh, this is going to be good for us. And then Zach Wilson plays absolutely horrible. Or Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle, whoever it is. Some really, really bad offensive performances. And when Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall don't really get cooking and going, it could look really bad. So we got to just see what we can do for the remainder of this year. We do not have a good option at quarterback coming. We don't have a different offensive coordinator coming. We don't have different receivers or anything like that. The trade deadline has passed. Anybody who's available right now is on the scrap heap. Really, really old, really inexperienced. There's no Band-Aid out there. So the Jets have to figure out within their own unit if this team is going to be good enough for when Aaron Rodgers does come back this year or next, or if guys are going to have to be replaced. And you look at the defensive side of the ball, they've done a great job. That's part of this thing, too. The Jets are going to be in games because of that defense. But the offense needs a lot of work right now. I want to do a uh, father time here. This is my dad's thought. He was uh, a little bit disappointed in the Jets' performance yesterday as well. This is this week's father time written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. It is difficult to win a game if you have the worst quarterback in the NFL. Here are some basic quarterback stats for Zach Wilson. 31 of 32 in QBR. 30 of 32 in passer rating. 30 of 32 in completion percentage. 29 of 32 in yards per attempt. It's not pretty. He can't handle pressure. He panics. He stops looking downfield. Everybody knows this. Max Crosby sure does. And in the end, it's very hard to win with the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. The Athletic wrote this about Monday night. The Jets are the only team in the Super Bowl era to have their defense get five sacks, hold the opponent to less than 200 total yards, not allow any plays of 25-plus yards, and still lose by 20 points. So you might say, did you see that Charger pass rush? What was Zach supposed to do? Well, my answer is watch Justin Herbert. That is what a good quarterback does to handle pressure. He keeps his eyes downfield, knows the pressure, and has a timer in his head. Herbert also has anticipation on his throws where Zach waits and gets sacked. So, as a team, what can be done? Let's face it. Sunday's game in Las Vegas needs to be a win. First of all, stop the pre-snap penalties. The lost pre-snap yardage is mind-boggling and crippling. Second, since it's obvious that Zach doesn't know when or where to move under pressure, he needs to be rolled out on longer yardage plays because we know the O-line can't hold up the way it is currently. Nathaniel Hackett needs to move Zach Wilson within the scheme of the play, not be moved by the play, in order to plan for extra time. And rolling out is okay because Zach doesn't see the entire field anyway. Zach needs to get rid of the ball in less than 2.5 seconds like he did against Kansas City when he was 17 of 21 and had a 90-plus passer rating. On Monday night, his average release time was an abysmal 3.76 seconds. It will never, ever work holding the ball like that. This is just as much a Zach issue as it is a patchwork offensive line issue. A note to our offensive coordinator, how about screens, wheels, flares with Brees Hall? Let it be known that he might be 220 pounds, but he is not a power back and he's not made for up-the-gut plays. Brees needs to get outside and outrun linebacker pursuit, take on the corners and safeties. This is going to create chunks and first downs, even touchdowns sometimes. Gibson and Garrett Wilson, jet sweeps and reverses, do it. Those plays slow down the defense. After all that, to summarize, 
Stop the penalties, get rid of the ball, work the edges. Oh, and great game defense. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow. That is this week's father time. He is disappointed. He thinks that Zach Wilson is playing horribly. Um, I think that he's way more up and down with Zach Wilson. He sees a good game and thinks that Zach Wilson maybe has turned a corner. He sees a bad game and thinks that he's the worst quarterback in the league. I believe that Zach Wilson is just extremely inconsistent, and his highs are not that high, but they are good quarterback, you know, capable of winning games. I think his lows are absolutely atrocious, and we go back and forth between those two like a roller coaster. But my dad is right. He is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, definitely statistically and in a lot of these games from what we've seen so far. The stats from the athletic, ridiculous to be a team in that that basically has perfect defense and still gets obliterated. My dad has basically the same sort of thoughts that I do on what the Jets need to do. The pre-snap penalties, obviously, a huge one. And then what I love is the way that he's talking about flares and getting outside, wheel passes, screen passes, Brees Hall, getting Xavier Gibson, Garrett Wilson outside wide. That type of stuff will help keep a defense from pitting their ears back. And I know those can create negative yardage plays in themselves, but if you do them at the right time, I think it can pick up some decent yardage. It gets those playmakers the ball in open field. And like you said, when you're outside... You're going against linebacker pursuit, who typically are not as fast as the guy holding the ball. And then the guys that are making contact with you are cornerbacks and safeties, who typically you could put a shoulder into or potentially juke out of their shoes, get some extra yardage. The Jets have to get creative with this whole thing. The offense, the way that it is, is not going to work like this on a week-to-week basis. Now, there is a scenario in this game where the Chargers don't have a punt return touchdown and the Jets don't fumble the ball two times and give them the ball on the one-yard line for an easy touchdown there. And this game was like 6-10 to 10 late in the fourth quarter, and the Jets actually could have gone down the field and probably tried to win this thing. And who knows, maybe it would have happened. But when they have self-inflicted wounds like this and they give the other team an easy lead and easy points and we're chasing 14 early, this team is not built to come back from 14 early. This team's not built to even really score 14 points in an entire game the way that it's constructed right now. So that's what has to change. In those games when you need the points, you got to find another way to do it. You can't just keep trying the same thing over and over, running Brees Hall up the gut, Zach Wilson throwing to covered receivers, standing in the pocket, holding it for three seconds, waiting until the pressure comes, and then rolling out, hoping he can escape a sack and find a guy open downfield. That's not going to do it. Because that can maybe pick you up 30 yards here and there, as we've seen from the Jets. You know, Garrett Wilson usually gets one or two sneaking away. Tyler Conklin got one in this game for 33 yards. So you can move the ball downfield, but you can't rely on that play consistently. And so that's why when you get into the red zone and third and threes and stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, we can't do anything. It's like, yeah, because half the offense comes from these ridiculous plays that are not really part of the game plan. And then when push comes to shove and you got to pick up the big plays, the, the first downs, the touchdowns, that's when you can't do it. That's when they have to be methodical and planned, and this team doesn't really operate that way in the passing game. So I agree with everything my dad said there. I think that, uh, maybe not everything. I I do think that Justin Herbert played a bad game, and I don't think that Justin Herbert's performance against the Jets' pass rush is really a uh, a good measuring stick of what Zach Wilson should do. Because frankly, if Zach Wilson did what Justin Herbert did and just barely threw the ball at a very low percentage and took sacks as well, I don't think the Jets were winning that game either. But it's over. This game is... uh, in the books, we don't have to watch it again. All we have to do is talk about the offense really quick and the defense 
and the special teams, and we can move on for good. But before we do that, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. Really quick on the offense, I just want to give offensive player of the game to Garrett Wilson because he was by far the most effective player on the offense. Seven catches, 80 yards, a nice 31-yarder. And if it wasn't for him and what he was able to do, this offense would be in a very, very bad spot. I mean, it's already one of the worst offenses you've ever seen, but without Garrett Wilson, it gets worse. It gets more to like that Luke Falk-level Jets offense that really can't pick up a first down at all. At least the Jets had... You know, 206 net passing yards, 64 rushing yards. It wasn't nothing. We've seen the Jets teams that are like under 150 total yards for a game. That's what would happen without Garrett Wilson. Props to him for being a consistent player that just gets the job done when he gets opportunities. No one else on the offense is really worth talking about. Nobody else did anything worth a darn. Even Brees Hall, he had a nice 10-yard run in this game. He had a nice, you know, 5-yard catch. But even he didn't get it going on this one. 3.1 yards per carry on 16 rushes. And, uh, yeah, Tyler Conklin had decent stats by the end, 66 total yards, but that came 33 of them on one big play in garbage time. And uh, a decent amount of the receiving stats actually did come in garbage time when the game was kind of out of hand. So let's get away from the offense and talk about the defense because the defense was so good, and they are a blast to watch. And when the offense doesn't shoot itself in the foot and the punt coverage team doesn't give up touchdowns, that defense is going to be good enough to keep the Jets in a game because Justin Herbert couldn't do anything. And Austin Eckler could only do stuff when he was given the ball at the one-yard line and he slips in for a touchdown. The defense is a totally, totally special unit. All three levels of the defense are playing extremely well. Justin Herbert literally had 107 net passing yards. It's one of the worst games of his entire career. Eckler, 47 rushing yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Nothing going for him. Our defensive line was awesome. We can send three or four guys and consistently get pressure from them. The Chargers offensive line is decent, specifically on the left side. And even still, the Jets had some good luck against a guy like Rashawn Slater, who's one of the better offensive linemen in the league. We had five sacks from the unit, one and a half from Huff, one from Quentin Johnson, one from John Franklin Myers, half a sack for Jermaine Johnson, half a sack for Solomon Thomas, And then half a sack for Will McDonald, his first sack of his career, or half. And he also got a fumble on that play that should have been picked up by Michael Clemens, but it was not. That would have been a great chance for the Jets to get back in the game and have a short field and maybe get some points. But the defensive line was creating pressure with just sending three or four time and time again. And shout out to Quinnen Williams for drawing so many double teams and stopping the run and doing what he does without getting big sack numbers this year. He is still a major cog in that defensive line. I mean, that running game was going up the middle for them a lot, and we were shutting them down with a defensive line many, many times, keeping them from getting any sort of chunk yardage. So awesome job by the defensive line. The linebackers, I think the tackling early from C.J. Mosley was a little sloppy. He also got burned on a pass by Austin Eckler, which is really hard to cover as Justin Herbert was rolling out. But the game overall from C.J. and Quincy Williams is not maybe as flashy as you'd expect from what we've seen so far this year, but a good game nonetheless from the two of those guys. Um, They didn't give up a lot to Eckler receiving, not much to like tight ends or design screen passes in a game where Justin Herbert couldn't get anything going. You like to try to pick up that easy yardage the way we want the Jets to, 
But when you have C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams, it makes it a lot harder for them. And the defensive backs, I mean, just phenomenal play from D.J. Reed and Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is the defensive player of the game for us in this one. He had great coverage in this one. Two huge pass breakups, blanketing his guy. And he doesn't get talked about a lot because he doesn't really get thrown to a lot. He's missed a couple games this year, but like when you think about the Jets' defense this year, there are not that many plays that come to your mind where Sauce Gardner is involved in them because the ball's not thrown his way. Same with DJ Reed, ball not thrown their way. We shut down really every single quarterback. You got Justin Herbert throwing for 136 yards. There's nothing there against this defensive backfield. The numbers for Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it's just not coming. And there's a lot of games that they don't do much on the field you know, in terms of highlights and everything, but they are having a massive impact covering guys that they don't get defensive player of the game because we're looking for sacks, we're looking for pass deflections and tackles for loss and all those big things, touchdowns on defense. You don't get it a lot for just great blanket coverage. In this game, Sauce Gardner did enough, I think, looked good enough to uh, to earn that that honor. When you look at the rest of the defensive backs, I think the the safeties just have to tackle a little bit better. I think that Tony Adams is maybe getting a little bit more comfortable in this defense, but if he can tackle better and uh, also keep the big plays from happening, which he's been doing, and Jordan Whitehead, just tackle better, buddy. He almost had a pick in this game. Would have loved to see that, but reliable tackling from those safeties would be nice for us to have. The only real blemishes for the defensive side of the ball in this game, clean up the penalties a little bit, wrap up your tackles for all four quarters, not a lapse, basically the first quarter in this game against the Chargers. The Jets didn't wrap up very well. After that, the following three quarters, they did. So it wasn't a really long-term issue for them in this game. But just, you want to do it from start to finish. And then capitalize on turnovers or opportunities for turnovers because the Chargers dropped the ball a few times, threw a couple passes that maybe could have been intercepted. The Jets didn't capitalize on any of them. And had they a couple times in this game, it could have been completely different. And this is a team with this offense that needs that little extra juice from the defense. I know it's a tall ask, but they are one of the best defenses in the league. And you get to re- expect that stuff. If the Jets were like, you know, the 17th, 18th best defense in the league and we're sitting here like, you know what we need is a, a big old pick six and a forced fumble to help us get back in this game. It's like, come on, that's never going to be something that you can really rely on. But when you're the number one, two, or three defense in the league like the Jets are, I think that is stuff that you can point to and say, you know what, that's kind of part of our DNA. And even though they're plays that can't necessarily be expected or drawn up, we do expect them to happen at some point. And that's why the Jets are going to be in games moving forward that maybe we don't expect them to be. That's why when you look at the Bills or the Dolphins coming up, you say, how are we going to beat those teams? They're so good because you don't know what week the Jets are going to get those fumbles back. And those interceptions are actually going to stick to the hands instead of falling out. And the Jets all of a sudden get three, four big-time turnovers in a game make a quarterback super uncomfortable, and Zach Wilson and Greg Zerline get a couple short fields to get points, that stuff's going to happen, and that's why every single week the Jets are in the game and they have a chance to beat any single team that they play for the remainder of this season, regardless of who's a quarterback, but because of that quarterback and that offensive output, we have the ability to lose any single game also. And when it looks bad, it's going to look bad. And when it looks good, it's going to look like a couple big plays and some good defense. So it's not like really ever going to be a beautiful offensive showing. That's never really been what the Jets do. Another year of that, so. Um, great defense. Can't say enough about what the defense does week in, week out. We just need them to keep their positivity, keep rolling. 
special teams. There was a really bad punt coverage. Irvin Charles just kind of like sprinted up the field with no plan. Didn't slow down their return, man. He got a touchdown. That was a bummer to get them the quick 7-0 lead. Other than that, they were pretty good covering. Didn't give up any other big returns. Eccles did have a chance if, if he, instead of running past the punt returner in coverage, if he stayed in front of the man, the guy actually bobbled the football and dropped it. Eccles ran right past him, so didn't have a shot. But had he stopped in front of him, which he should have done, he would have the opportunity to pick that up. So hopefully he learns from that. Greg the Leg is the special teams player of the game in this one. Thank God that he wasn't as inept as every single other person trying to score in this game. He got two really nice field goals. One was 47 yards. Two for two in this game. He's 95% on the season, which is crazy high for a team that, oh my God, needs points. I mean, if he'd missed those field goals, yeah, could have been a shutout. Those are some long kicks, too. It's not like he's kicking 30-yard chippers. If you miss those kicks, oh my gosh, what this thing looks like. Thank goodness he makes 95% of his kicks, and he's playing at literally an all-pro level this year. So, Greg the Leg, special teams player of the game. And that's it. We're moving on from this game. Putting a pin in it, wrapping it up, sending it off, never looking at it again. We're going to look at the Raiders game. That's coming out Thursday morning, the podcast on that one, previewing that game. That's the Jets' next chance to win. And honestly, that's a winnable game, even more so than this Chargers game was. I'm going to talk about that on Thursday, why. But uh, if the Jets can get back in the win column, back over 500, looking at those two AFC East teams, we're going to feel a little bit better, especially than we do right now. So just weather the storm, get ready for some better days ahead. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And that's really it. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. <laughs>